Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Monday, February 17th, 2020. I'm your host, Glenn Fleischman, with a summary of election news. Today, Sanders takes a more decisive lead and comes under increasing fire for his supporters or alleged supporters' behavior. Reporters and detractors keep unearthing more of Bloomberg's past injudicious remarks and lawsuits against him and practices at his company as his national standing increases. Who is the president of Mexico and courting the Latino vote? Pete Buttigieg loves his husband and Iowa. Yes, you heard me, Iowa. It is a mere five days until the Nevada caucuses, 12 to the South Carolina primary, 15 days until Super Tuesday, and an increasingly short 260 days until we hit the general election. And here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. If you thought the bare-knuckle bruising had started last week, then whoa, Nelly, it's really on now. Let's start in with Sanders. Democratic nabobs and moderate Republicans who oppose Trump fear that Senator Bernie Sanders' wins in two states will get another addition with a win in Nevada in a few days. And then the bernertia, the sandermentum, the, the big burn, I'm still workshopping this, will lead to a media narrative that makes Sanders the inevitable winner before Super Tuesday ever happens. As Politico described it, quote, While few expect that Sanders can carry more than a third of the vote in Nevada, nearly everyone believes that that will be enough to win in a field where the moderate vote remains splintered. It is becoming a source of celebration for Sanders supporters and an urgent problem for those who want to prevent him from claiming the nomination, end quote. In national polling aggregated by three leading sites, Sanders is now on top, The New York Times weights his position at 24% to former Vice President Joe Biden's at 23%, then Senator Elizabeth Warren at 14%, and former New York City mayor and current $60 billion man Mike Bloomberg at 10%. Real Clear Politics put the order as Sanders at 24%, Biden 19%, then Bloomberg, Warren, and former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg. 538 runs it down now as Sanders 23%, Biden 17%, Bloomberg at 15%, and Warren and Buttigieg around mid-11%. I remain terrified by 538's brokered convention prediction, which keeps rising. That number predicts the likelihood of outcome of a given candidate obtaining the majority of delegates or nobody reaching that total. Today, Sanders' standing is 36% and no one is 38%. Yikes! Sanders' rise has led Biden, Buttigieg, and Senator Amy Klobuchar to say repeatedly how the Democratic Party's ticket shouldn't be led by a self-avowed socialist as that label will prevent Dems from taking the White House. It's an effective line in that polls back them up about Americans' fear of an ambiguous term that reminds them of totalitarian Eastern European communist dictatorships and South American strongmen. But Sanders' views are pretty moderate even compared to European democratic socialism, and his policies aren't that far out of line of any of the major candidates, even the moderates, The biggest divide among the top five or even the top seven is how healthcare should be reformed, what it will cost, and how to pay for it. That's a reasonable policy debate to have, too. Senator Warren, after some scuffles earlier this year with Sanders about his alleged comments on a woman's electability this time around, has stayed above that fray. She's only a bit less of a lefty than Sanders and has been trying to preserve comity, perhaps to be a compromised candidate between hard left and moderates. Sanders has also been facing increasing pressure about supporters who use Gamergate-like or extremist tactics to attack anyone they feel has spoken out against the senator or sometimes hasn't demonstrated sufficient loyalty. I spoke about this last week as the Culinary Union of Nevada's leadership faced a huge wave of abusive comments and obscenity, death threats, and even doxing. The two leaders attacked are both women. The union membership is also majority Latino, 
and has members who come from all over the world, 178 different countries. The Culinary Union Sin was noting that Sanders' Medicare for All plan would do away with the union's well-loved health care plan, while Sanders spoke out against the abuse and disclaimed wanting the support of anyone who engaged in such an activity. He keeps leaving the door open that these attacks, which also happened in 2016 and started up again in his current run, are from people pretending to be his supporters but who are actually online trolls. The New York Times characterized it like this, quote, The zeal of Mr. Sanders' online base has been both a source of strength and perpetual aggregation for his campaign, which has delicately balanced condemning bullying without diluting the force of his most fervent followers. Biden was asked on NBC News' Meet the Press about these attacks. He may not be responsible for it, but he has some accountability. I'm going to not put you, put you in a spot you don't have to... You know me well enough to know if any of my supporters did that, I'd disown them, flat disown them. The stuff that was said online, the way they threatened these two women who are leaders in that culinary union, it is outrageous. Just, just go online. I invite anybody to go and take a look, the things they said, the vicious, malicious, misogynistic things they said, the threats they put out. And to say I disassociate is one thing. Find out who the hell they are. If any of them work for me, fire them. Find out. See what's going on. Nevada is a state that Biden should be able to win because of his deep support among unions and his work across decades for them. It's one of the most clear-cut aspects of his political stance. However, even with the union health care issue, Sanders still has a lot of support. The culinary union declined to endorse anyone, for instance, even though Biden or Sanders would seem to have been likely beneficiaries. Biden's falling star has meant he's increasingly ignored, and he's still counting on a win in South Carolina to buoy his flagging potential. Klobuchar has gone after Sanders and Buttigieg most aggressively, but doesn't seem to have anyone trying to take her down. Ditto, Warren being in third or fourth position has meant she's not in anyone's sights at the moment. But then there's Bloomberg. Let's play a musical bumper for a palate cleanse and then get into Mayor Mike. The Election Ride Home is brought to you by Plexiderm. Picture your face in the mirror. Do you see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about crow's feet or those large under-eye bags? Now, imagine they're gone. I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom. Two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear, so no one will know you're using it unless you tell them. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code VOICES. Plexiderm has a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit tryplexiderm.com today and use code VOICES at checkout. That's tryplexiderm.com, code VOICES. The Election Ride Home is also brought to you by Bill Press's new podcast. I wanted to give you the latest news about Bill Press. Bill no longer does his progressive morning show, but that doesn't mean he's gone away. No way. He's out now with a great new podcast, The Bill Press Pod, dropped twice a week. 
Check out the Bill Press Pod for Bill's interviews with some of the country's leading progressives, like Maxine Waters, Mark Pocan, and Jamie Raskin, all roasting Donald Trump. Plus, his lively end-of-the-week roundtable with three of Washington's top political reporters commenting on the latest craziness from the White House, Congress, and the 2020 Democratic primary. For years, Bill Press has been one of the leading progressive voices in the country. He's still out there, on the left, stronger than ever. You can join him by subscribing to his new podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts, search for the Bill Press Pod, click on subscribe, and you're in for a true progressive experience on the Bill Press Pod. Mike Bloomberg's rise in national polling has been accompanied by a series of stories detailing past positions, statements, and lawsuits, sometimes with audio or video attached. Last week, I covered the account of Bloomberg defending excessive stop and frisk, a New York City policing policy found unconstitutional and ineffective, and which targeted people of color, particularly young black and Latino people, and for which Bloomberg only apologized last November after beginning his run for the Democratic nomination. Last week, I also looked into Senator Warren's broadside against Bloomberg, in which he focused on video dug up from 2008, in which the then-mayor blamed the banking collapse on government-mandated increases in mortgage granting to people in poor neighborhoods. Not only is that characterization entirely inaccurate, but Bloomberg also used the term redlining to refer to poorer neighborhoods when it was used in real estate exclusively to refer to pushing people of color, usually black, into neighborhoods marked with a literal red line on maps. It didn't matter those people's financial resources or ability to pay a loan. Since Friday, though, it seems like things boiled over the top. Story after story has appeared, coupled with criticism from other Democratic candidates, former Bloomberg employees, and pundits and politicians not as directly tied to the election about Bloomberg's past behavior and statements, strategy of using philanthropy for both the purpose of doing good and creating obligations and entanglements, and the message sent by a second billionaire potentially winning the presidency. Trump is allegedly a billionaire. Bloomberg absolutely won. His fortune is estimated at $60 billion, even after he's given billions away over the years, including over $3 billion last year. In 2010, he said of Obamacare, quote, We passed a health care bill that does absolutely nothing to fix the big health care problems in this country. It is just a disgrace. And, quote, his campaign clarified that he supported the ACA, but wanted it to go further, just as President Barack Obama and many Democrats did. I'd like you to recall that Senator Joe Lieberman, a Democrat, capsized a better plan. Politico obtained video from a 2013 talk in which he said, quote, We don't need extremists on the left or the right running our police department, whether it's the NRA or the NYCLU, end quote. That's the New York Civil Liberties Union, which helped overturn the stop and frisk policy. The New York Times reported Saturday that a major political force, Emily's List, a group dedicated to getting more women into political office, considered bumping Bloomberg from a 2018 fundraising luncheon. Quote, Days before the event, Mr. Bloomberg made blunt comments in an interview with the New York Times, expressing skepticism about the hashtag MeToo movement and questioning sexual misconduct allegations against Charlie Rose, the disgraced news anchor. Senior Emily's List officials seriously debated withdrawing Mr. Bloomberg's invitation, according to three people familiar with the deliberations, who spoke on the condition of anonymity. In the end, the group concluded it could not risk alienating Mr. Bloomberg, end quote. Bloomberg put $100 million behind candidates in 2018 when the Democrats flipped the House by historic levels. His money helped support 21 winning candidates, 15 of whom were women. One of the most significant stories appeared in the Washington Post, which had a report detailing an extensive record of litigation against Bloomberg for sexist and sexually harassing statements made in his capacity as the boss of his investor news network. Post reports, quote, 
a number of the cases have either been settled, dismissed in Bloomberg's favor, or closed because of a failure of the plaintiff to meet filing deadlines. The cases do not involve accusations of inappropriate sexual conduct. The allegations have centered around what Bloomberg has said and about the workplace culture he fostered, end quote. And it notes, quote, Bloomberg declined an interview request. A spokesman said Bloomberg would not release anyone from a confidentiality agreement and that he would not release his depositions in the cases, end quote. Other candidates have been dogpiling on Bloomberg. You could take it as political expediency, and he's an easy target as a former Republican and someone who has, as we've seen, blown his mouth off for decades. But he's also made a number of past and present statements that are in opposition to the top five current candidates' positions. At a Nevada kickoff on Saturday, Sanders brought up several of Bloomberg's policies and statements and made the case that Bloomberg couldn't bring the kind of excitement needed to beat Trump. Will not create the energy and excitement we need to defeat Donald Trump if that candidate pursued, advocated for, and enacted racist policies like stop and frisk, which caused communities of color in his city to live in fear. We will not defeat Donald Trump with a candidate who in 2015 stated, and I quote, I, for example, am not in favor, have never been in favor of raising the minimum wage. Biden said of Bloomberg over the weekend, quote, $60 billion can buy you a lot of advertising, but it can't erase your record, end quote. One voter summarized one stance on Bloomberg to the New York Times. I could justify Biden. Bloomberg, no, said Will Mulligan, 20, a student at Colorado State University. He's Trump, but just more competent. If you can remember and pronounce Justin Trudeau's name, you should certainly know and be able to say the name of the current president of Mexico elected in 2018, especially if you're running for president. I am not a native Spanish speaker, but I can do a credible job, I think. Say it with me. Andres Manuel López Obrador, also known by his initials AMLO or AMLO. In interviews with Noticias Telemundo's Guad Venegas, several candidates were asked to name the president of Mexico. Here's Klobuchar's response with some voiceover on the clip, followed by Buttigieg. Dijo saber que sabía quién era el presidente recientemente electo y que no lo conocía personalmente. Al preguntarle por el nombre del mandatario, dijo no saberlo. El ex alcalde dijo saber quién es el líder de México y contestó que López Obrador es el presidente de México. Buttigieg was surprised other candidates didn't know the president's name. He said, quote, President López Obrador is one of the most important leaders in the hemisphere, end quote. Not knowing the name of the Mexican leader is a misstep, and Klobuchar came back later in the day to say it, but not being on the same page with a wide range of Latino issues would be a problem. The Latino vote, which encompasses a lot of people beyond folks from Mexico or of Mexican antecedents, is a critical piece of the electorate for Democrats in 2020. It's not a given that Latinos vote for Democrats, though a good majority do. No single issue unites everyone in that diverse and dispersed community. You can't lump in people from Puerto Rico who left their island to come to Florida or New York or other states and can immediately vote in presidential elections after the devastation of Hurricane Maria in 2017 with third-generation Mexican-Americans who have taken over businesses that their parents or grandparents might have worked at from retiring boomers. Immigration might be a key issue for many, but for a significant subset of Latinos, it's more about respect and bigotry than necessarily a direct family or personal connection. 
It used to be thought that Latino voters aligned more heavily against the right to an abortion, but the difference is slight overall. About 55 to 60 percent of black and white people favor allowing abortion in all or most circumstances, and about 35 to 40 percent oppose in some or all cases. For Latinos, it's closer to an even split. Among top candidates, Sanders claims the best results from Latinos in the first two states that voted, Iowa and New Hampshire, and polls well among those voters in Nevada and beyond. The Atlantic noted, quote, Sanders' campaign insists that the senator will prevail with Nevada's Latino voters because his operation dwarfs that of his rivals. Chuck Roca, a senior advisor to Sanders, told me that more than 200 staffers, including 76 Latino staffers, are deployed across the state at 11 field offices. End quote. Warren has apparently little name recognition among Latinos and had high-profile departures of Black and Latino staffers in Nevada earlier in the year. Buttigieg and Klobuchar barely register among non-white voters nationally. And while Biden has strong support from black voters, Sanders polled as the top pick of nearly half the Latinos surveyed in a recent Morning Consult poll. The next candidate was at 17%, and that was Bloomberg. And now a statement from Buttigieg about Rush Limbaugh's remarks that Rush thought it would somehow put off Democrats from voting for the former mayor when voters saw Buttigieg kissing his husband Chastin on stage. Well, I love my husband. I'm faithful to my husband. On stage, we usually just go for a hug, um, but I love him very much. And I'm not going to take lectures on family values from the likes of Rush Limbaugh. Zing. The never-ending Iowa update continues. Now it's alleged that the Democratic National Committee was more involved in causing the chaos or not preventing it in Iowa and in its ongoing meltdown than the DNC has wanted to admit to. The Washington Post talked to 54 people involved in the planning. Its story notes, quote, party officials never effectively vetted the basic tool used to collect and publish those results. The review found they hardly questioned why an app was necessary rather than a simpler reporting method, though internal correspondence shows that DNC staffers were privy to discussions about the testing and rollout of the technology, end quote. Iowa, now and forever. And that's the election roundup for today. I'm your host, Glenn Fleischman. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Election Podcast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Election Ride Home. I am also on Twitter at Glenn F. Just a programming note, I'll be out the next two days for family obligations, but I'll be back at the mic on Thursday. Thanks for listening and have a pleasant late afternoon or evening. Mm-hmm.